0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome everyone to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, I call out all of those people who lived well, who died well, and who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines into our lives. I ask these ancestors to help us to understand how to access that legacy and to bring that wealth forward into our lives, into the lives of the living, that we might meet the challenges of our own time with courage, with creativity, with innovation, but also with constancy um, to continue with those things that are necessary and to innovate where it's necessary to change. So I call out to these ancestral helping spirits to gather round to help the living to meet the challenges of their own time so that we can do what needs to be done for those who are coming. And as these human ancestors gathered round, let's reach through them to the older ancestor, to those other um, forms of life here on earth that were here long before they were humans and will be here long after. I call out to these ancestors and their other forms, these great spirits of nature and life here on earth. And I ask you to help us as well. Help us to not become lost in the seductions and the distractions of human life, but help us to remember what it is that is truly unique about the human heart and how to deepen our sense of our own humanity and be better people. And I ask for these non-human ancestral helping spirits to come into our lives and to help us to understand that which abides, that which does go with us at our death and help us to tend these things in our everyday lives. And as all of these ancestors and their many forms gather around us here today, let us draw ourselves from wherever we might be into our heads and from our heads to our hearts and in the next breath. From our hearts to our bellies, and let's settle into our bodies, settle our bodies onto the earth, and take a moment and give thanks for this day, no matter what it holds. Thanks for all that has been that has brought you to this point in your life. Thanks for all of those gifts, those which you have figured out how to incorporate into your life, and those that you're still trying to understand how to unpack how to understand what this event was in your life and what is its meaning. We give gratitude for it all nonetheless. We give gratitude for this moment and gratitude for all that is to come. We give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we know it to the face of this planet and we are grateful for the generosity in that dream that allows us to change whatever needs to be changed as long as we are still breathing. We give thanks for beauty and diversity We give thanks for home. And with enormous warmth and gratitude in our heart, this thought of home and belonging, let us send our energy down through all the layers of the earth, grounding ourselves here and reaching to the very center of the earth and letting our energy settle into stillness, into these energies that draw their power from darkness, from quiet from peace and stillness, these energies that nourish us deep in our soul, deep, deep in the energetic reserves of our body. Let us reach into the energy of the earth and draw it up, drawing up these energies that refresh and restore and renew. In this way, we call up the wisdom of manifestation and all of the understanding uh, that we need for how to be here in form in a good way. We call these earth energies up to replenish and restore and renew and help us to bring forward the abundance that we are called to bring into the world and help us to be responsible for the abundance that we engage with around us. And as we call up the energy of the earth… Let us use this energy to inform us, to help us to understand how to connect to ourself, how to connect to our our place here in the world, to understand who we are, what we stand for, what has heart and meaning in our life, and to build our life of these things. And to do so in a way that creates a sense of hearth and home and belonging That is not tied to place and not tied to specific people, but is connected here deep within yourself in your own cultivation of center, your own sense of your own personhood, so that you can extend those energies out and welcome those who are other than you are. That you are not threatened or challenged by that which is different than you, but simply engaged and brought forward to bring out those aspects of yourself that have not yet seen the light of day. And we ask those who are different than we are to help to provoke us into the men and women that we truly came to be. And may they be provoked by us. And may we learn to connect and communicate with others, with all aspects of ourself, with the environment around us, with the invisible world, and ultimately with our own heart. And may we come to understand our place in this great web of life. But these are not magical knowings. But these are actions we must learn to take to open ourselves and connect. And we ask the energies of the earth, humbly, we ask you to please come up into our lives and inform us. Help us understand how to be incarnate. And as we ground ourselves in that wisdom of the earth, let us reach up from our heads out into the sky and the sky all the way up through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, reaching all the way up to the highest power of the universe by whatever way you understand this energy. May it simply be the radiant energies above and for others it is a name, a concept deity, whatever it might be, connect all the way to it and allow it to connect with you and to draw this golden energy from above down through all the layers of the sky into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings. And in this way, we call in the essence energy that is present all around for all of us, that essence energy of blessing. And in this way, call blessings into your life that you may offer them to others. In this way, call down the essence energy of protection into your life that you might offer protection to others. We call these energies in that we might feel the benevolence of the universe and begin to understand how that energy can move our heart to extend benevolence to others. We call these energies in to inspire us in our commitment and our devotion. We call these energies in to help to illuminate the way when we are lost to be the lighthouse in the storm, to help to inspire us and help us to innovate and create change. We call these energies in, calling in the great beneficent energy of the universe and ask them to infuse ourselves, our bodies, our energy bodies, and send this energy all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we link the energies below, above, and above, below, and we connect these two great legendary lovers. May the energies of the earth and sky come together in a way that ignites that powerful big love that is the stuff of legend and let that awaken the spirit of our own hearts, let our hearts open up that crucible of transformation that lives in the human heart that allows us to be such powerful agents of change. If We can only choose to act with power and responsibility in the world. And let us reach deep down in the passions of our belly and draw that up into our heart and call down the clarity in our mind and let these energies dance together in the crucible of transformation in our heart that we might come to understand or to remember or to sense or to feel in some way why it is that we are here. And may we find courage in that very same heart to do something large or small in this day to bring your gifts to the world and reach out from that heart to connect intimately with all the spirit help that is around you and we give gratitude for that overwhelming presence in our life and the help that we can receive in discovering who it is that we are and what we have come to do. And we ask today that what needs to be said is said and what needs to be heard can be heard and that these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. For those of you who are listening to Why Shamanism Now for the first time, this show is listener-supported. It's supported on donations, large and small, by listeners exactly like you. So if this show moves you in any way, and today's topic might actually be a little irritating, but nonetheless, you have been moved in the heart. And I ask you to do that uh, most fundamental of shamanic actions, which is to let that which moves your heart motivate your actions in the world. And do something large or small, to help the show to grow and to be sustained and tended here in the world. And so for those of you that have been able to donate financially, I give gratitude to Nakaya and Red Moon Pathways, to Mia, Richard, Amy, and Malama, and all of the listeners who've been able to donate financially. There are bills to pay to keep Shamanism, Why Shamanism Now, moving here week by week to support the website that holds now almost eight years of archives there at whyshamanismnow.com. You can also connect with the archives at co-creatornetwork.com um, as well as iTunes, although with almost 350 shows on iTunes, it is a little hard to sort them up there, but nonetheless, there you go. So this um, requires that we all do this together. And so I thank those of you that are doing things uh, to share the shows, to use the ideas in the shows, in your own lives, in your own shamanic lives, to create change and transformation, to create questions and ideas that become new shows. And all of this that we are doing together to help us to understand how to live uh, shamanic practices in a practical and real way in our lives to meet the challenges of our own time. So I thank you all. We are live here today. Um, And if you have questions about today's topic, which is leaders, shadow, and shamanism. So if you have questions about that topic, please feel free to call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in at co-creatornetwork.com. Or you can email me at any time at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org with questions about the show. All right, leaders. and Many, many of you actually over the course of this past year, um, at least Americans, have been uh, emailing desperately asking for a show on leadership. And over that time, I've read a lot of um, really interesting articles by people from all over the world commenting on the dearth of good leadership at this time on our planet um, and so I went – because the leader or the teacher-leader energy is an is a important archetypal energy in the cosmology that I teach, um, I went to this teacher, teacher-leader energy to ask about leadership. And um, so for those of you that are just curious about these archetypal energies that I refer to regularly, the reason I refer to the same archetypes regularly is they are the archetypes that are part of the cosmology that I work within and that I teach. And if you want a general answer about how to work with archetypes as a shamanic practitioner, I would suggest you go to the archives and find the show with Langston Kong where we're Kong, where we're talking about deities and archetypes. So, for a general answer, I would suggest you just go there. Langston did a great job talking about it. Specifically, I work with the set of archetypes who populate the shamanic cosmology that I teach through the cycle of transformation. And my understanding now, you know, 30 years into this cosmology is that our particular time – is not really the same in many ways of the indigenous cultures that some are still practicing shamanism but certainly were at the time of contact with the western world so my understanding through my teachers is that our time requires that we current human beings become more precise and fearless in our capacity to transform ourselves and to transform the issues that humanity has set in motion on the globe like climate change Like racism and sexism and like the many things that humanity has been churning around in for several thousand years. And that these archetypal energies support us as humans in the cultivation of our deeper humanity or what some would call our human potential. Um, There's a beautiful show in the archives with Steve Baer talking about what do the spirits want from us. And that show basically boils down to is they want us to be better humans. They want us to be the best possible version of ourselves here on Earth, and that is not easy. Um, My understanding of the cycle as a shamanic cosmology, it is is adjusted precisely from traditional forms to help us as contemporary people get a grip – On what our time is demanding of us and how do we show up for that? And so these archetypal energies not only support us in our cultivation of our deep humanity, but they support us in the cultivation of our divinity as well. And then at the heart of how our humanity and divinity come together is our authenticity. Who did we come here to be and how do we do that in the world? And so these teachings support our capacity to transform ourselves from our fears and the immaturity in that is the hallmark, I think, of contemporary Western people. Um, But these teachings help us to transform our fears and limitations and um, immaturity into becoming mature spiritual adults in spite of our culture and what it says and the standards that it sets. So they help us to become mature spiritual adults and to bring our gifts to bear in the world. Okay, so these archetypes that really focus on this capacity for transformation from fear and immaturity. Um, In other words, not only people allowing their wounded child to drive their perception of reality and their choices in life, but also those of you who have become highly skilled wounded children who pass um, as effective adults. But underneath it all, you're still driven by the wounding of your childhood. And so these um, archetypal energies are particularly astute at helping us become – Agents of deep change within ourselves and because we have become those people, then change within our world. And these are the visionary, the warrior, the healer, and the leader or the teacher leader. It's actually teacher, leader, and sovereign. These energies are all operate together in this particular system. So, leadership. You know, as I have observed and experienced leadership in modern time in the 50-some years that I've been alive, I would say that I have seen a steady increase in the number of leaders who misuse and abuse power and a steady decrease in the number of leaders that understand the right use of power. It's not that there are no leaders that I feel have led well and that are – honorable and good models for us, but they are few and far between in my experience. At the same time, I also see a change in the populace. You know, that's you and me, those of us who are being led. And those being led clearly have no experience leading anymore. That you can hear it in in what people are whining about in their constant fixation on what 's not working in the gossip and the incredible passing of rumored information as if it is fact, and just the profound fantasy thinking about what a good leader would be um, and so in this. What is obvious is that the people who are deciding about the leaders that we need don't understand what it takes to lead because they haven't led. In the United States for example, there used to be multiple layers of social activities that wove the social fabric together. That regular and it required that regular people, everyday people like you and me, had to volunteer or that thing didn't get done. So they were Coaches or local business associations, parent teacher associations, these different associations that required that everyday people volunteered their time and energy to step up and lead. And because of this, the citizenry, you know, those people that would vote for a new leader, had personal experience leading on this small scale, which gave them some sort of realistic foundation to then look at the task. Of electing a leader and it's clear that today people really lack this personal frame of reference now we can get into the why of that but that's not exactly the point of today's show but it's the situation that we are in let's put it that way so instead of allowing your wounded child to cast your vote for you or your shadow self to cast your vote for you or others who are in deeply internalized misogyny and distrust trust of women to vote, to cast your vote for you, what the leader um, said as I asked, you know, what should I say in a show about leadership? I mean, what would you like to see the people manifest to become better people? And... The first long beginning part of the journey was just showing me this this state of affairs where there are no grown-ups who have experience leading, or there are few grown-ups who have experience leading, discerning about who they're gonna select as a new leader. I mean, I have yet to speak with an actual adult who's planning to vote here in my country, you know, and live in a country that's filled with highly skilled wounded children and their teenage siblings who allow their shadow to drive their bus, and it's it's unbelievable. And I've actually tried, uh, given Steve Baer's beautiful show on Talking Stick, I've tried to just listen to people and ask them, what you know, not go, what are you thinking, but what are you thinking, what. what you know what is your internal rationalization for voting how you plan on voting and and i'm horrified actually i really see a country of children and teenagers just being driven by deep inner energies they're utterly unaware of and this is so anyway it was a very depressing journey to be honest <laughs> so um so this is partly an observation that I have of life that is really shaped by my immersion in my teachings, obviously. And and even, you know, in this world of shamanism, both traditional and modern, I see this same evolution. You know, we have to remember that any power – that can, that can be abused can also be misused and any power can be projected onto the leader. And so as contemporary people coming out of this wounded child or this sort of adolescent shadowy place, that we can abuse and misuse spiritual powers as well. So no matter how um, well intended we are, um, the intention – In a sense, there's this tendency to believe that intention is all that matters. But it's really not because intention can be derailed by the wounded child or by shadow selves. So, So here at Last Mass Center in the cycle teachings, every new shamanic skill is accompanied with learning a companion skill that allows you to take greater responsibility and more discerning responsibility in your life. And it's the main reason people leave after the first the first set of teachings because they're immediately expected to take the skills that they're learning and use them not just the the fun shamanic parts but the part where they have to start to look at themselves and take responsibility and a lot of people don't want to and they just leave and that's you know that's their choice but it is the unique difference in this set of teachings is yes We're going to teach you shamanic skills and you are going to learn them with responsibility because power picked up without responsibility is exactly what we're seeing in the world today. So gaining power without also picking up this greater responsibility for the use of that power leads to abuse of power no matter how well intended we are. So this is the realm then that we're talking about, not not just because it's spiritual – not, I mean, not, just because it's spiritual doesn't mean it can't be abused. And so so that the challenge here in the spiritual realm, shamanism, new age things, whatever it is, is we think just because we're being spiritual, we're not going to be abusing power. And that's an unfortunate misunderstanding because it's precisely those of us who are trying to work on ourselves and grow up and be spiritually mature and have skills who need to be showing up in everyday life. To help to shift our relationship with power and thus with and responsibility and leadership. Okay. So this refusal, this this what the leader was saying is this refusal, this sort of astounding, absolute refusal to lead oneself. This is this is the one of the issues that we're seeing right now. And the reason that it matters um, is not just because Americans are going to be voting in a few weeks, because someone within you someone internal has to rise up within you and lead the wounded child to healing so if you're in this position of refusing to lead to stand up and take responsibility to lead your wounded child's never going to get healed because you have to lead yourself in on that path And someone within you has to rise up to lead and take responsibility to get your best selves out of the shadow and transform them into the allies that they are. So your healing to be successful in that requires your leadership of yourself. It isn't about finding the right healer or having another soul retrieval. It's about you taking responsibility to lead yourself down that path which is just a precursor. It's just the beginning, just the steps of building your leader muscles and your leader brain and your leader heart because ultimately you will not live your soul's purpose if you do not lead. Pure and simple. No one can lead you to your own soul's purpose. Your soul's purpose is unique to you. You're the only one who can lead you down that path. So there it is, pure and simple, that you must lead yourself down that unknown path. So your relationship with the archetypal energy of the leader, the teacher leader, is critical, not only for your healing, getting out of your wounded child place, getting out of shadow, but then becoming a person who can lead you in the real journey, which is to do what you've come here to do. So if you want to live a life of meaning and purpose for your heart, you must take responsibility to lead yourself into that life. And I can't tell you how many people take years in their practices before they realize that they're just simply avoiding picking up their power because they're so afraid they're going to abuse it. You need to look at that right in the face right now because if you can't lead yourself, you will not get there. So you need, you, me, all of us, we all need to be able to lead now. Before you find your perfect spiritual community, you need to lead yourself. Before you feel completely whole, you still need to lead yourself. Before you know why you're here, you still need to lead yourself. Because it is only by leading yourself down that path that you will find those things. And so this was the first An impassioned uh, part of the leader's message is everybody needs to be leading somewhere in their life so that they can understand how to be a better citizen, how to be able to select a leader, how to be able to do your soul's purpose, to do your healing. It all requires leadership. We have to stop our passive disengagement. And be willing to step up and lead. So anyway, that's part one of the leader's message about what it takes for good leadership is your own willingness as an individual to lead because the decay and rot around this level of global leadership has gone hand in hand with our individual decay and rot around being willing to lead in our lives, to take responsibility for what is going on in our home, in our communities, in our area, and ultimately in our countries, because we have to take responsibility for what's going on within ourselves. Okay, so in my cosmology, the teacher leader sits in the north. And so I went and asked for the message about this time. And I've shared the first part, which was the, The biggest and most resounding part. And then the teacher pointed out that um, people passively follow. They complain and whine and rebel and passively follow. And I said, but wait a minute. You just said they rebel rebel and passively follow? And the leader said that rebellion offers no new vision and no new capacity for leadership. Um, That it's basically a childish fight to see who gets the most stuff. That we need, and the, and the trickster chimed in and said, we need to get out of the trap or the seduction of rebellion and understand to look back and recognize how the rebellions of the last 2,000 years have simply continued to dig us in deeper and deeper. Because we're not under th- that, that um, seduction of, of that it takes a war, it takes a rebellion, that this transformation needs to happen on another level. And it's going to happen because in the freedom that we have gained along the way, people use that freedom to learn to lead themselves. They don't use that freedom to opt out of leadership and just passively roll through life, Um, engaging in more and more stuff, more and more distraction, more and more addiction versus really stepping up and leading towards a vision that they're – heart knows is possible, a vision that they're passionate about, a vision that they believe would be good for the next seven generations. I don't really care how you say it, but the point was our need to to let go of this seduction or illusion about um, these changes happening through some big rebellion and actually get involved in transformation. So the leader continued. So what needs to happen for that to happen? Uh, And the leader said, first off, you need to master the shadow behaviors that precede good leadership, which is a large kettle of fish. The next thing was that good leadership is not the act of a single person. Um, That we need to learn to understand leadership as something best done by counsel, but not consensus. And so it goes back to the um, Confederacy of Nations, Confederacy. I'm not sure that's exactly right, but basically what the indigenous people were doing here in North America before the um, Europeans showed up. And, um, and while that did uh, – that model was used to shape the United States, we don't seem to be remembering that very well these days. And so part of it is for all of us to rid ourselves of an idea of leadership as the sovereign – in which we are powerless and to cultivate our own sense of sovereignty, our own sense of power and responsibility and our own sense of leadership so that we can step up and begin to lead via council or confederacy, not, um, but not necessarily through consensus and um, compromise. Okay. next thing the leader said is that a good leader is constantly aware of service towards something larger than oneself and finally that we need to learn to cultivate our own right relationship with the leader internally which requires then transforming our relationship of the leader shadows and so we're like a whole cultivation of transformation of shadow behind being able to actually step into this leadership that the leader's talking about and i just going to put a little bit of a sharper point on this and then I'm going to let it go but the leader is really saying if you want better leaders to choose from you must begin to lead in your own life and that, that, that the decay has gone hand in hand with those who choose to lead nations and those who are led and that this decay of leadership is equal out there and in here okay so how do we change that, though? Because we have that capacity. So what does the leader mean when the leader says, master the shadow behaviors that precede good leadership? <laughs> I love those answers, right? From your helping spirits. Great. Okay, now I got you know six years of work to do, but that's the answer. So then how do we do that? Um, and those of you that are about to vote here in the United States um, in the next few weeks, I would like you to at least consider this as you're thinking about who to vote for, and the transformations might not happen in the next three weeks, but I ask, ask you to actually consider this. So, but it is this isn't just us here in the United States that that the leader is really speaking to where humanity is at this time, and how we as people who have this amazing interconnectivity. I mean, just like why shamanism now being available globally. As just a small example, um, to understand that we, as humanity, have the capacity to collectively rise up and to learn to be better leaders, and so con- don't. So consider this uh, broadly. Okay. So those of you who hear yourself saying, "I just don't want to be lied to," or "I want a leader with balls," the, these these statements and other similar statements that we hear repeated are actually the words of a child, a wounded child who is simply tired of feeling like a victim. And so partly what you can do is really tune in as you experience your own frustration with leadership. You know, how old do you feel? How much do you feel like a victim? And if so, consider that this is, this is not the thinking and feeling of an adult who is powerful and can take responsibility to make change happen. So when a wounded child is driving the bus, the adult tends to fantasize about a perfect leader or a strong leader or basically some leader who is a substitute for the imperfect parent that they actually had. And this this fantasy thinking happens without any real sense of what a good and effective leader would be, again, because they have no experience being a good and effective leader. And so this person then will continue to use their free will to shirk their responsibility and leave their own personal authority in life unclaimed. Back to the whole wounded child thing. When we are acting out of our wounded child, we are by definition leaving our personal authority in life unclaimed. So if you hear yourself saying this sort of thing, then accept at least as a working hypothesis that the wounded child is driving your bus. Okay. So, when we do this, because we do do this as humans, so when we do this, we are hiding ourselves from a deeply unconscious need, and this part of ourself perceives the need for somebody else to be responsible for them, and which is a legitimate feeling in a child. It's not legitimate anymore now that you're a grown-up, but so part of Recognizing this in yourself is sort of settling in and recognizing and looking for this part of yourself that perceives this need for someone else to be responsible for you. And this part of yourself possesses a deep underlying fear of personal authority. So this is where you want to start to journey at that level. Journeying prior to that is not really very helpful, but at this level – this deep underlying fear of your own personal authority, that's where you want to start journeying and ask to be shown your fear of personal authority potentially as a thing or as an energy that you can begin to work with. And you may also want to ask your helping spirits to show you the ways this fear of personal authority plays out in your life that you are blind to. So then that's a journey. You need to kind of assess what answer you get from that and then journey and ask, how do you begin to access your true personal authority? And then depending on that answer, which could be a bit of a long road, that may be where you need to move. But depending on that answer, you then may be able to continue in journey and ask, how do I take personal authority for my actions and non-actions right now in my life? Like, what are the first steps or the most potent steps that would allow me to take up my personal authority for my actions and my non-actions? Because we need to deeply understand that as a leader, personal authority is the hallmark of the leader energy within us because it is, this is the root to our essential sovereignty so what you would be looking for in your own leadership and others as leaders is their sense of their own personal sovereignty and their willingness to honor and respect that sovereignty in others okay moving on because these, these again are the shadows that are precursors to even being able to step into leadership. So if you notice yourself feeling a sense of rebellion relative to all of it right? when that feeling um, is not in the shadow that feeling of rebellion it can lead us to take actions in ways that honor and respect our boundaries and the boundaries and limits of others Um, and that person then takes responsibility for their actions and their non-actions and redirects them towards change. So that's That's a healthy response to a desire for rebellion, to that feeling of, oh, God, this mess is just so screwed up. It needs to be changed. And wanting to rebel, that that effective rebellion needs to be channeled through good leadership, right? And so a person who's who's feeling that inner desire to rebel but is capable of good leadership then is going to do that leading in a way that's going to empower others along the way. So it's going to – it redirects that energy into actually creating change and doing so in a way that empowers other people. And one of the things that we have really been awash in in the last year here in the United States is, is the rising up of this deep shadow in our country of those who would wish to disempower and you know, just wipe out other groups of people. It's a little bit frightening, but a good examples of people that I, I believe feel this rebellion and are transforming it really well into leadership would be Charles Eisenstein in his work um, around um, the more beautiful world our heart knows is possible, um, Stephen Bear and his uh, recent Talking Stick book, and and uh, so these two are doing it you know on a kind of a larger scale as more you know mature men more established in the system and then helping to redirect that energy. But I also would say Langston Kahn is doing it well also on a smaller level in um, the sphere of influence that he has. So, So the point is when this feeling of rebellion moves through shadow – there's this push for something different but without any discipline or structure. And in this, there is a great disrespect for the boundaries and the diversity of other people. And so we see a lot of this right now happening in America is this just change for the sake of change and difference for the sake of difference and, you know, fuck the system, fuck everybody else. It needs to be different. And that, that, that is the rebel in shadow. So if you feel yourself pushing for rebellion, then accept, at least as a working hypothesis, that you are in shadow and over-identified with rebellion and just wanting difference for a difference sake, you know, wanting to be able to cast a vote for someone that you really value, that resonates with your own personal values. I get that. We're not there today. Right, but the rebel wants to just take us there right now when it's coming out of shadow. So when we do this, we're hiding a deeply unconscious need for space, for breath, but in particular for freedom from our own inner stagnation. And nothing stagnates our energy more than hatred, resentment, envy, jealousy, and these energies that dig us in to to totally fixating on what is not working inside of ourselves, but projecting the why out onto the world. Okay, so if we've got this rebel moving through shadow in our life, then um, the important thing is it's, it's really a, um, a high sign for our own lack of breath, our own stagnation and suffocation within ourselves. It isn't about what the leader can do for you at that point. It's about what you and only you must do for yourself. So the rebellion isn't out there. The rebellion is internal. So when we're in rebellion in this shadowy way, we have this deep underlying fear of being limited and restricted and restrained. So that's where you need to begin to act journey-wise to get more information. Journey and ask to be shown what inner self is restrained and by what or whom. Right? What inner self is restricted? Again, by what or by whom? You need to see these inner dynamics within yourself to begin to work with them. And then, what is the source of your chronic limitations of yourself? Because those people that do not have the rebel in shadow, when the rebel's out here consciously in the world with you, then the rebel is constantly pushing you beyond your own perceived limitations. So, if the rebel's in shadow, then you you are chronically allowing your sense of your limitations to um, circumscribe your life. so, if you find now, with that said, if you find as an answer to these journeys as an honest answer to these journeys from spirit systemic limitations like racism or sexism that that you're actually that you actually are coming up against a limitation that is Part of the rank privilege and power system of where you live, then that's something that shifts your journeys a little bit. Your questions then would move into what inner power must I cultivate to transform this systemic limitation in my own life? So how – what what do you need to cultivate within yourself to transform your relationship with a systemic limitation that is you know bigger than just you and your life? So how do you transform it in your life? Through that, you become a person who can choose to act to transform it in the world. But the most important thing first is freeing yourself of the limitation. And so with that said, if you are coming upon – inner limitations, not systemic limitations, then that's your next journey as well is how do you create space for the as- these aspects of yourself that you're limiting? What are the next steps you need to take? And some of those steps will be steps you need to take in your life. Some of those steps will be healing steps. Some of those steps might be re education. You might need to learn something. Yeah, you might need to, you know, get off Facebook and go take a class and actually learn new skills. I mean, it's not necessarily simplistic to get your own self out of the shadow but the most important thing to understand in this in this in this talk here about leadership is that honoring the limits and boundaries of others is the hallmark of true leader energy and um, that the leader is leading to something larger than the individual which is leading towards what is good for all life and so um, one example of this that I see in shamanism is this kind of generation of ayahuasca, rave, everybody is a shaman crowd. And um, there's lots of engagement with shamanic elements. Um, but within it, I also see this kind of big over-identification with rebellion that reminds me actually a lot of the 60s and 70s. And what I see is that without ever noticing that, you know, you're not really changing anything. Because there's no leadership rising out of that new vision. There's ego identification and I'm, you know, ayahuasca wants me to do this. It's me, me, me. But what I don't see is leaders emerging and leading a generation. Um, And so there's this kind of constant whining and complaining and tweeting and accusations of appropriation when you don't even know yet what that word means. And all of this rebellion energy is just sending that energy back into the thing you're rebelling against and making it stronger. It's just like when you were a teenager rebelling against your parents, that this rebellion is just making the whole – Creating a conflict and, and digging that energy in deeper instead of taking that responsibility to, to channel that rebellion through some discipline and some um, structure into actual new leadership and to actually take responsibility for creating something new instead of just complaining about it on Facebook. Okay, moving on to the next shadow. So those who feel powerless – or who are less aware of their feeling of powerlessness, and instead are it's moving through shadow, um, their perspective is to become disciples of a powerful leader, when they're not really necessarily conscious of their own powerlessness. Some people really do feel powerless, and they're very conscious of their own powerlessness. For some, it's moving in shadow, and it emerges out through becoming these sort of rabid disciples, or fundamental disciples of a particular Leader, and this is really big in shamanism. So, um, so what happens is the teacher in shamanism gets, you know, put up on a pedestal, or the or New Age, whatever, gets put up on a pedestal, um, and then the teachings become a kind of a dogma in your practice. And then I start seeing these nasty Facebook posts about other people's work because it's not exactly the same as your teacher's. And um, the level of nastiness I see around shamanism on Facebook just constantly proves to me that people don't know – don't understand shamanism to be behaving this way. Because if you truly understand the values and principles inherent in shamanic culture and what the spirits are trying to teach us through their relationship with us, you wouldn't behave that way. But again, this is this energy, this powerlessness moving through shadow. And um, any, so uh, one of the things I see – have seen my whole 30 years, uh, which isn't really that long in shamanism, but there you go, um, is that p- women in particular are drawn into shamanism um, because generally speaking, culturally, they are rendered powerless through the system. And so shamanism becomes this realm that they can gain power and and feel free to express their power and powers that they're, they um, – feel aligned with and value and this is true and in and of itself is not a bad thing except for the fact that I notice from many of these people that um, they're expressing their power exclusively in shamanic realms without ever confronting this fundamental powerlessness they feel in their everyday life. In other words, they're not using the power that they're gaining through shamanic practice to take responsibility for the powerlessness they feel in life and lead towards something new. Okay, so if you're starting to think, oh, this might be about me, okay. Then, if you see this sort of disciple energy in yourself, then accept again that that perhaps is a working hypothesis right that maybe this is you and that this this energy is moved into shadow and that you are projecting your power and authority out onto others and so when we do this we're hiding our deeply unconscious need like our heart needs us to claim our authority and take responsibility for using our power in the world and this again this dives right back into sovereignty the sovereignty element of the leader and um This feeling is running counter to the fact that we have simply chosen not to use our power, not to pick up responsibility in our life. And so the disciple is being driven by this deep and chronic failure of will. And that this is the, the will to claim personal authority to show up and act. And that's the level you need to be journeying about this if you want to change it. So you would journey and ask to be shown what is at the root of my chronic failure of will. And what are my next steps to cultivate and tend my right use of will. And then in this journey, you can ask, um, what is this, you know, whatever teacher it is that you respect that you've put up on the pedestal, you know, take them down (laughs) so they don't fall off and break their neck, right? Take them down and then ask your helping spirits to show you what is this teacher reflecting back to me about my own leadership and how can I best cultivate and bring that leadership into the world? In other words, how can you do it? Okay, and so finally, there are those who um, want nothing to do with the whole thing. I don't don't want to know. don't don't want anything to do with the whole process. And those who choose invisibility as a means of avoiding claiming their personal power and their personal responsibility. And many people will use their fact that they're you know they're interested in shamanic things. They don't want to have anything to do with all this political mess. The lies and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, okay, but you live in this world with us here right now. And we all need to be responsible citizens. And your helping spirits will tell you that too if you ask them. And so this is a, this kind of constant reminder to those gentler souls out there. I do get it, and I get why you've taken sort of safe harbor and found refuge in shamanism and groups that are focused on spirituality. And you chose to be here now just like everyone else, and you must remember not using your power is an equal abuse of power. So choose to be here now. Embrace both your strengths and your weaknesses, and take up space. Stop being a chicken. You get to do it in your own way, but you do need to do it. You need to do your thing, whatever it is personally, and you need to accept your responsibility for your power, use it in the world, and be a good citizen. Be part of the community. And you can journey – I mean the the main journey would be to ask for help from spirit to cultivate the courage of your heart, to bring that gentle, tender heart out into the world in a way that it is protected, but that your voice is heard because it needs to be heard. Okay, so this brings us back to the whole whole – or the next parts of the message from the teacher. So the first was lead – Learn what good leadership is by doing it. Two, to do that, you need to actually deal with the shadow energies that are precursors to good leadership. And then the rest of the leader's message was ultimately about what needs uh, to happen, you know, for this culture of non-leaders to become responsible leaders in their own lives. And from that position, it's really easy to see in others then who is capable of leading, Something large and complex and nuanced as a nation. So for those of you who are going to vote in a few weeks, you need to vote from a mature spiritual adult who is taking responsibility for the culture that we live in. Not a wounded child, not a shadowy teenager, not someone who just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. But to step up, use your power, be responsible, and really think about Who can lead in this time? Not the future you want, not the world you wish it was, but the world that it is right now. So the rest of the leader's encouragement is, one, encouraging us to change our sense of what a leader is from an individual and the type of person who cannot play well with others To an individual who is capable of working as a council, who is working with others to collectively come to a decision for the people. It's important that we begin to change our sense. I mean, this was a huge issue in my own community. You know, a bunch of people have been studying shamanism with me for years, and they could not get past the idea that I had to be the leader of the community, that had to be an individual person to lead well. And this, and in spite of the fact that their own journeys were telling them you must lead this community by council and that everyone on this council equally shares the responsibility for leading this community. It was it's, it's, it's a hugely challenging lesson for people that are well-versed in shamanic skills and personal transformation. And we still deal with it every year Because it's really challenging for these contemporary people to step up and lead in your sphere of influence Lead towards what has heart and meaning. Lead with others collectively. Okay. So the next thing the leader said was, um, oh, and that person who is willing to lead and is able to play well with others to lead collectively understands the distinction between leading by counsel and coming to a collective understanding and leading by consensus or compromise. Okay. So next thing is leader encourages us to see in um, true leadership, there is service to something larger than yourself. And so the United States has very clearly demonstrated not doing that, um, particularly in the Bush-Cheney years. Um We saw enormous self-service through the leadership of this country, and this has taken a terrible toll on the United States and many other countries on many levels. It it was a horrible display of – well, it was a a perfect display of bad leadership. We'll put it that way. Um, And so the leader really encourages us to look for one who will make personal sacrifice versus sacrificing the common good for their own personal gain but who is willing to make personal sacrifice and has demonstrated that through action. I'm not talking about it, but has demonstrated that willingness to make personal sacrifice. You're also looking for one who is capable of understanding the long-term and short-term ramifications of any issue and is willing to reach for long-term um, solutions that will be unpopular versus always taking a short-term appro- um, uh, answer that will be bring lots of approval, but ultimately changes nothing and continues to waste resources. So a leader is also one who calls out the better self in everyone and primarily who does so by modeling it themselves. Okay, the next thing that the leader said is that the leader encourages each one of us to cultivate right leadership with this archetype. So now we're getting into the shadows of the leader itself to cultivate right use of power. And then to use it so that we can experience and learn the need for responsibility. And then to cultivate the responsibility so that we can continue in and even to discern even more accurately the right use of power. And so this requires not only the mastery of the shadows that precede good leadership, but it requires the masteries of the shadows that um, leaders fall into. And the main shadow that leaders fall into. And now remember, we're not just talking about those leaders out there, we're talking about you and your own capacity for internal leadership is being positional and inflexible, being unwilling to listen to others and potentially change your perspective. That sort of righteous, zealot, fundamentalist energy is the shadow of the leader. So someone who just simply yells their opinion all the time and is unwilling to listen to others is not a good leader. That doesn't mean that – that is not the sign of a strong leader. The other thing about the shadow of the leader itself is slipping into judgment, judging others, blaming others, um, always pointing the finger externally instead of looking for um, what is going on internally and at the source of things. And finally, another shadow of the leader, once you really get there, is about being a controller. The sort of policing things, over-policing things. So the militarization of the police force is an example of the failure of good leadership on a local level, um, in America at least. Um, so anyway, these so there's a lot of shadow work that needs to be done for us to really understand and step into good leadership. And I remind you again of what the trickster said. Be aware of the trap or the seduction of revolution, That leading well and following well require precisely the same skill set. What needs to happen here isn't another revolution. What needs to happen is that as individuals, as the populace who are quote unquote following, we need to cultivate the qualities of good leaders. And in doing so in our own lives, in our own sphere of influence and locally, we will shift the energy around leadership. So in the same way that a good student, for example, makes an excellent teacher, a responsible citizen of the globe learns to lead themselves. We can't just talk about becoming new people. We can't just point the finger over there. We need to take action to be able to act in the world with power and responsibility and to do it now. So I give thanks to the ancestral energies, the energy of the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Last week I shared with you all that there's a new free shamanic summit coming up and it's called the Modern Shamanism Summit. And this um, summit swings more into the use of entheogens, of um, plant medicines, of dance, of art, and some of the more creative and – effusive aspects of shamanism I might say so anyway um, it's kind of focused I think at a less conservative audience and um, but nonetheless an audience that is really deeply interested in precisely the kind of spiritual activism that today's show is really about and so the registration for Um, The Modern Shaman Shaman Summit should be um, live anytime probably this week, and I'll be putting it on the homepage of lastmasscenter.org. Thank you all. Have a good week.